Well, I went to a Christian college where there were a ton of rules. The year that I arrived, they had just stopped the rule that you couldn't wear screen print shirts. For guys, no piercings, no tattoos that would show, no long hair. The last class of the day ended at 4 p.m., which meant that no one was allowed to wear hats, sweatpants, or shorts until after four. You know, part of the job of many students were to try to find the loopholes in all these rules. Loopholes, you know this, are ways around the rules that technically don't break the rules. You know, one of the rules <laughs> that was there was that if you went to the dorms after hours, you had to sign in the clipboard, who you are, what time you came in. Well, my friend Ben came in so late one night, he knew he was gonna get in trouble. So instead of signing into the clipboard, he just threw the clipboard away completely. He found the loophole. See, we find loopholes in rules that are inconvenient to what we want to do and how we want to live. Not only do people at Christian college find loopholes, but we do this all the time. We know that if we go five or seven miles over the speed limit, we probably won't get pulled over and get a ticket. I read about this one guy who saw a promo for Papa John's Pizza, that if you guessed the coin toss of the Super Bowl, you would get a free pizza, but you could only enter one time with your email address. Well, he created 50 email addresses, half the emails he chose heads, the other half tails. He was set for a while on some Papa John's pizza. See, we find loopholes in rules that are inconvenient to what we wanna do and how we want to live. In some cases, you almost find it impressive, right? That someone saw the set of rules and was able to figure out how to still win or do what they wanna do without really breaking the rules. But when religious people exploit the loopholes, they're called hypocrites. You know, for many of you today, you're gonna love this message because one of the biggest frustrations for you when it comes to religion or faith or Christians is that they'll say one thing, but do something completely different, who are hypocritical. And that's one of my biggest frustrations too. In fact, there are many types of Christian hypocrites. First is the humble brag Christian. It seems like they're always dropping scripture they just read or bragging about something impressive they did just to let you know how good a Christian they really are. Or if you're trying to tell them something that you're proud of, they'd humble brag like, oh, you adopted one compassion kid? Yeah, we got four. So I guess we love God more than you. Or, you know, nice TV. Yeah, we don't even own a TV because we don't spend money on us, but others. They're the person that didn't read their Bible unless they posted on Instagram. They think they found the loophole that if they look like they're doing good, then they're good with God. Next is the can't believe it Christians. It's the Christians who judge other people's actions to just say, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe you said that to your child. I can't believe you spent money on that. I can't believe you didn't give money to that. I can't believe you don't serve. I can't believe you're not in a small group. Like, oh man, drives me crazy. Nothing's good enough for them. They believe the loophole is, if I point out the good and the bad to everyone, that will make me good. Or lastly, the checklist Christian. Okay, I got baptized, check. Read my scripture, check. Posted on social media, check. Pray for 30 minutes, didn't cuss, didn't get angry, made my bed, didn't eat carbs, ate only kale, check, check, check. They believe the loophole is, if I get enough checks in the day, then I'll be right with God. The thing is about each one of these types of Christians, I have fallen in all of these categories at some point or another. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably have too. As we'll see, Jesus didn't get, his, get angry when he didn't get his way. He got angry when religion got in the way. 
It's when religion and human-made traditions and rules get in the way for people to see and to know their heavenly father that loves them and is there for them no matter what. And for many of you, this is your story. There were just too many rules that were just too tough to live by. There just seemed to be people in your life or those Christians that continue to get in the way of who God really was. It felt like no matter what you did or didn't do, it just wasn't good enough. And that kind of environment just leaves you discouraged and frustrated and angry to the point where you don't even wanna try anymore. If that's been your experience with Christians or church, then religion got in the way for you. If that makes you angry, then you're a good company because that made Jesus angry too. In fact, one of Jesus' main goals in his ministry was to help others understand the kingdom of God, what it's really like. And the more Jesus tried to show people who God really was, the more and more upset the religious people got. They were plotting against Jesus to take him down and stop the crowd from getting any bigger. You know, we get to peer into this amazing conversation with Jesus and those religious people that's recorded in Mark chapter seven, where Jesus confronts the Pharisees again about their hypocrisy and the loopholes that they were creating for themselves. All right, so it all starts when the Pharisees saw that Jesus' friends, the disciples, didn't give their hands a ceremonial wash as was tradition of the elders. See, our ceremonial hand washing today is singing happy birthday twice, right? But for the Jews and religious people, it was a rule that disciples just didn't follow. Now, before we move on, some background. There was this myth that when God gave Moses, remember Moses, right? The law and the 10 commandments, that God also gave Moses what would eventually be called the oral Torah or the oral law. And this was hundreds and hundreds of extra laws that keep people from breaking the primary laws. These rules were never written down, but the Pharisees felt like it was their job to police all these rules. It got so out of hand and so many rules that even the religious people, they couldn't agree on what was law or not. Jesus, he didn't buy any of it. Much of what he argued about was less about the written law and more about these oral traditions, the oral Torah, the oral law. So in Mark chapter seven, verse five, it says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of these elders or these laws instead of eating their food with defiled hands? There was a certain diet and cleanliness that were rules to keep your body right with God. If your hands were dirty, then you're not good with God. So your hands had to be extra clean to just make sure. In verse six, Jesus replied, Isaiah, you know Isaiah, right? The big prophet. Well, he was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, pointing them out to everyone. See, you talk about unwritten laws, Jesus is saying, I'm gonna talk about what is written. I'm gonna call you out in front of everyone. He says, as it is written, these people, talking about the Pharisees, the religious people, they honor me with their lips. They know all the right things to say. And as religious people or Christians, you know all the right things to say too, right? But he says, their hearts are far from me. Your hearts are so far from me that even me, this Messiah, the King, the Savior is in your midst and you don't even recognize me. Verse seven, they say they worship me in vain, empty worship. Their teachings are merely human rules. See, Jesus didn't buy into the whole oral Torah myth. He's telling them you're turning religion and God into a game that only you can win. 
in verse eight, he says, you have let go of the commands of God, what was written down and are holding on to human traditions. And then he continued on. You have a fine way, pretty clever of setting aside the commands of God in order to preserve your own traditions. Now, I know I need to pause for a second because many of you grew up in a really strict and religious environment and understand the religious rules you're supposed to live by. It's hardwired into you. In fact, if you don't follow the rules, then God, your parents, your teachers, everyone around you, they're all gonna be disappointed in you. I remember a few months ago, I led a small group through a unique way of praying called doodle prayer. You sit down with a pen and paper and you think of someone or something you pray about. And then when that person comes to mind, you just doodle on your piece of paper, whatever it is you want, all the while continually praying for that person or situation. As we shared our doodle prayer around the room with one another, one of my friends said that they grew up Catholic and that freestyle praying, is what they call it, was never something that they did. They were taught specific prayers that were memorized. So just talking to God in a less structured way was something that they just weren't used to doing. I come to the conclusion that you should honor and give respect to the beautiful parts of your upbringing that may have been strict, but hold loosely to making it a rule in your life. See, when traditions become a rule, Jesus isn't able to rule. This is the relief that Jesus offers. The relief of many of you have been burdened by this for so long. And you all know this, and some of you know this, but Jesus following him, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. You know, I remember when I was in middle school and for some reason I went to back-to-back church services and at each service we took communion like we do today here at the crossing. Well, on the second service I went to, the communion tray came and my friend said to me, you're not allowed to take communion twice in one day. So I let the tray pass, but it just didn't sit well with me that there was this rule about communion. So I went to my dad who was a seminary professor, an ordained pastor even, and he looked at me and said, Nate, I need as much Jesus as I can get. If, if I had the opportunity to take communion a hundred times a day, I'm gonna do it. See, recognize the intention of a tradition, but keep focus on Jesus and his heart. See, we don't receive communion and say, check, I did that for God. No, we receive communion as another way to give thanks, to have a conversation, a moment with Jesus in a way that he shared with his friends. I believe that structured and memorized prayers are beautiful and helpful, but if it gets in the way where it becomes a rule, then Jesus is unable to rule in your life. So Jesus is calling the religious people out in front of everyone and about coming up with all these human rules that only they can win. Then he gives a very specific example of a loophole that they were doing in that day. In verse 10, he says, for Moses, you know, Moses, right? Remember the 10 commandments, Moses? He says, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father and mother is put to death. But you say, the Pharisees, the religious people, you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, which means is devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father and their mother. You know, just like in today's society, helping elderly parents was very expensive in the first century. And the Pharisees, the religious people were seeing too much money go to the parents and not the temple where they worked or where they would say, go to God. So they made up a rule 
that all the money past, present, and future needs to be devoted to God. It needs to be devoted to the temple, which really means devoted to them. So if your parents are in need, you can help them because the money is already spoken for. And for this, the Pharisees, Jesus says, by this loophole, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And guess what? You do many things like that. This is just one of many examples I could rattle off right here in front of everyone. And then in verse 18, he kind of gets to the main point. He says, don't you see that nothing enters a person uh, from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but it goes into their stomach and then out of their body. Out of the body is a kind translation. It actually is a euphemism for thrown into the toilet. So Jesus is saying though, if your hands are dirty, or you eat certain foods, that doesn't mean you're good or bad with God. He went on, for it is written out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. And this is just quite the list here, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil come from inside and defile a person. It's not a set of unwritten rules that make a person clean or right with God. It's what's in your heart. Everything you say, think and do comes out of what's going on from inside. God's plan is to change you from the inside out, not the outside in. Move your thinking from if I'm doing good, then I'm good with God to if my heart's right with God, then I'm right with God. See, we find loopholes, right? And rules that are inconvenient to what we want to do and how we want to live. But it's not by a set of rules that we live by. It's about a relationship. So if you're a person that asks, how close can I get to the rules without actually breaking the rules? Then it's not a relationship. It's an agreement that you have. If you do this, then he will do this for you. So let me ask you, is there a ritual that makes you right with God while removing your responsibility to make things right with people? It is this question that really gives the church and Christians a bad reputation, that you're more concerned about being right with God than being right with others. But Jesus clearly tells us, if you're not right with someone else, then you're not right with God. Like for example, if you offend or upset one of my children, then as the father, we're not good, we're not right. We're not gonna go casually go out to lunch until you've made it right with my kids then our relationship cannot be restored and healthy. What a horrible marriage I would have if Emily gave me a list of rules that I had to follow to make sure that we stayed married. That's not a marriage. That's an agreement without love and feelings and adventure and care. The best relationships are the ones where both people sacrifice themselves for the other. Every day I sacrifice for Emily and for our marriage. I work on the areas of my life that aren't working for us, which is probably a lot. I communicate that I'm, what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling so we're on the same page. We game plan and talk about what's best for our marriage and our kids and our lives. We talk about who we should invite over or bake cookies for or love on. We talk about places to go on dates, the next half marathon we should run together. We sacrifice our individual lives for one another because we know that we're better together than we would be apart. Jesus has already shown you what he's willing to sacrifice for you. But how about you? In fact, 
if you haven't felt like you've sacrificed something this week in your relationship with Jesus, there might need to be a conversation that you need to have with him. Just simply asking, what is it you need of me this week? And most likely Jesus will point to the loved ones around you and say, serve them, do whatever they ask. You see, God works inside of us to bring something out of us. I love what Tim Keller, a a pastor in New York, he says this, that the gospel, which means the good news that we don't have to work our way to be good enough, that God's already, Jesus has already done enough for us. The gospel does not say the good are in and the bad are out, nor the open-minded are in and the judgmental are out. The gospel says that the humble are in and the proud are out. The gospel says the people who know they are not better not more open-minded, not more moral than anyone else are in. And the people who think they're on the right side of the divide are most in danger. I've been so thankful and so proud of our medical professionals during this time. Those on the front lines and the sacrifice they have made, their dedication to put themselves in danger and some having to stay away from loved ones to continue to help others who are sick is a sacrifice we'll never be able to repay. What they're doing every day just reminds me what Jesus said that I have come for the sick and not the righteous. Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna come for some and not for others. No, he's talking about people who when they are sick, they don't go to the doctor. You know these people, right? They're gonna, too proud. They're gonna say, I don't need a doctor. I'm fine. I just see some Tylenol. They self-diagnose. Their self-management is their answer. When the pain gets too much, and what they've tried isn't working, they go to the doctor. Those on the front lines cannot help and save lives of people that think they can help and save themselves. Too many times we look at our situation, our problems, our relationship issues, something we have to figure out and fix ourselves. See, Jesus is saying, I'm here for those that are not too proud to try to fix themselves. We need to go to the ultimate physician for our hearts every day. I read recently the physician's pledge, something that every medical class says before they graduate. And I read an excerpt of this. I want you to notice just how closely it aligns with the heart of Jesus. And what I believe he wants our hearts to be like as well. I solemnly pledge to dedicate my life to the service of humanity. The health and well-being of my patient will be my first consideration. I will respect the autonomy and dignity of my patient. I will maintain the utmost respect for human life. I will not permit considerations of age, disease, disability, creed, ethnic origin, gender, nationality, political affiliation, race, sexual orientation, social standing, or any other factor to intervene between my duty and my patient. I will respect the secrets that are confided in me even after the patient has died. I will give to my teachers, colleagues, and students the respect and gratitude that is their due. I will not use my medical knowledge to violate human rights and civil liberties, even under threat. I make these promises solemnly, freely, and upon my honor. Today, this week, your heart may need to be surgically worked on to move away from loopholes and rule keeping to a relationship that Jesus is about sacrificing yourself for others. So 
Do you find yourself mentally and emotionally off balance? Have you been noticing you think of yourself more than others? Have you been more concerned about the rule keeping than relationship? Then go to your ultimate doctor today <laughs> because it may very well save your marriage, your kid's future, your dating relationship, friendship, and even save your life. Let me pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for Jesus and confronting rule keeping, people trying to look good, trying to work their way to you, to confront that so harshly for us to check our own hearts, where we might veer off to rule keeping and try to keep you happy to about being in a relationship, being connected with you. Lord, I pray for those right now that have been weighed down by strict rule keeping for so long, they don't even know what a relationship with you might even look like. And I pray that today their hearts are open. They'll feel liberated and free to finally begin to take another step with you and asking that question, what is it you want of me? What does our relationship look like? Lord, I pray that we get to do that. Our hearts become softened and compassionate to not just you, but for others around us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.